Dungeon. I'm Matt, and once again, it's actually just me. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I'm not going to talk your ear off for 45 or 50 minutes this time. I I just figured I'd a bit of a rundown of what happened in the last two weeks. Uh, nothing bad, obviously. Um, good stuff, yeah. We, uh, we went to the Nuova Open, and you'll kind of hear about that a little later. Uh, not only will you hear about that, but... It'll, we'll kind of go backwards in time, and we're talking to Mike and, and my wife about how excited we are about going. And uh, right now it's about, it's on Saturday, so it's about almost a week after we came back. And my, my voice was actually pretty okay, but I had a lot of work to catch up on, and I don't know, I just didn't feel like sitting here and recording. It never also fails that, or the second I try to record, some animal or kid will probably come down and interrupt. It's not a big deal, though. So what happened since the last time? I prepared successfully for Nova Open. Uh, we we had everything packed up the night before. Everything was in the in the truck and ready to go. And I kind of had a couple of days to just relax and play some Dead by Daylight and hang out with friends. And then after that, you know, we went down there. And I will say it was definitely different this year than it has been any other year. And the reason why I say that is because I had a really hard time sleeping and I always have a hard time sleeping outside of my house. That's not, that's not anything that is new, but I had a really hard time sleeping this time around. And what I found myself doing uh, was I would stay up until, I don't know, we, we'd be down in the room, the boardroom doing Nova stuff until about 1230 AM. And then we'd go upstairs and try to like calm down, take a shower and by the time we finally got off to sleep, it was probably about 2 each night. Sometimes it was one thirty, but I would always try and sleep until 9. But inevitably, I would I don't know, be thinking about the next day or the events or what I had to do to prepare. And I'd always get up around 8, eight o'clock or 8.30. And I think that it was also because there was a little break in the curtains. So the light kind of got in every morning and got me. And... Uh, that's fine. It, uh, what I would do is I would I would have that like, you know, five and a half, six hours of sleep. And then I would go downstairs, do all the Nova stuff um, for the morning. And usually I'd come back up and take a nap for an hour or two. And, I, you know, that was actually my my go-to for quite a bit of it. Wednesday we got there, set up all the room, went to the GW preview. Which, by the way, that GW preview was pretty good. They put on a good show. You know, it was exciting. They showed off a bunch of new stuff, and you know, we all kind of waggled our eyebrows at each other. And I was very surprised that there were kind of constantly people walking up and down the aisles, making sure that we didn't have like phones out or something. I don't know. It was just, I think that it was a little overbearing in that respect. It did. It definitely didn't remind me of the 2016 Nova reveal, uh, GW reveal, which was. I don't, I don't know if it was the first one of its kind, but it definitely felt like the first one of its kind. Uh, afterwards, we, you know, in the 2016 one, we were, we were super excited. We stayed for all the question and answer, and and then we found out that they kind of didn't really give answers to questions. Just people would ask overly specific questions that they would say, you know, we might or we may, or uh, they would never say, oh, this is definitely coming in the future. They would kind of just give, I don't know, like cheeky British answers to most of the time. So this time we didn't stay for the question and answer, mostly because we still had, you know, a bunch of tables to set up at Nova in our, in our room. So we got to our room and 
the when I say that our room, the room that the event was going to be in, which was very large, it held uh, I think sixteen tables, and it was it was real large. It was spacious. There was a lot of room for everybody. It didn't never felt cramped or anything like that. We set up on Wednesday night. We're all excited. Couldn't go to sleep. You know, finally got to sleep, and then the next morning rolled around, and I was kind of dog tired, but it was okay. I was, you know, we're in high spirits. We had our first, you know, kind of set of matchups and we were explaining to everybody, you know, what Gork's Grin was about and what the event was about. It was kind of funny because we, there was a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people that were there for the first time and a lot of people that didn't quite know how this would work. And I could definitely see the trepidation in the beginning of, you know, people were kind of reserved and they weren't exactly asking too many questions or the questions they did ask mostly revolved around like, how does this work in the battle plan or how does art work in the battle plan? And after a little while, I, I, I kind of realized that people were asking me more and more questions about, you know, what they could do in regard to taking this objective or that objective. At first, we kind of tried to make it about taking that maw gate, this, this big blood filled maw gate that the ogres had and then um, it was also kind of about taking the the airship that was the orc airship that was constantly lobbing shells uh, to various parts of the board. And whoever took it would get to aim the airship. At, so that way, during the next battle, you know, they would they would lob shells around. And we had the maw crush of mating grounds, and that was really fun because uh, that was it was kind of all about collecting maw crush of eggs and having maw crush of mamas come out and stomp you to bits. That was that was fun. And I feel like we um, we kind of made it so that the end tables, so to speak, the ones that where you fought over the, the realm gates, we tried not to put people on that right away because that was kind of going to be the final push, so to speak, before Saturday night. So Friday was all about taking and retaking. And it was funny because um, we didn't exactly have Umberspire as a uh, faction. It was just, you know, Gordrax faction and Bellacor's faction. And then Umberspire, a couple of players from previous years were like, yeah, we want to get an Umberspire faction going on. And they were doing really good. They were taking territories and they were, you know, just in general making deals with people and getting mercenaries and this and that. So we were like, okay, fine, no problem. Let's go ahead and, uh, and, and use all of all that. And they created their own sort of faction with their own goals. And, um, and that was fun. That was really cool. Nurgle kind of, uh, also <laughs> that was cool. There's this guy named Paul. Uh, he, he was very nice to my daughter during the siege, by the way, they played side by side Nurgle and her, uh, Paul and Evelyn kind of, uh, Nurgled their way down the coast and, uh, spread a plague. And I think they're going to be, Nurgle is going to be a, an actual, like constant in the fruit bar planes, the planes that's supposed to be for growing food and stuff. Now it's, it's, it's even more dangerous. One thing that I really enjoyed, and I know that after a little while, I kind of got this down to a little bit of a science, but sometimes people would wander in and they kind of like, they, it was always the same. They came into the door doorway because there was two doors and they would see everybody gaming and they'd kind of like look around and their eyes would kind of go a little wide. And sometimes they'd kind of take a step back like, eh, maybe we shouldn't be in here. And I'd always be like, oh, hey, welcome to the narrative. Let me show you around. And, and I would try to give them like a little five minute tour of all the tables at once. We'd go around all the tables and I'd start talking about just the, the things that uh, made each table special. And 
the I'd always start with the Maw Crusher Maiden Grounds because anybody who you know thinks about Maw Crushes that it was it was always just a good good time and and I'd always I'd go around to where um where they were playing this this one match where you would try to either stomp out um what is it called uh, you you try to stomp out the fields or you try to harvest the fields and keep them um, keep them active. And I always explain, I was like, yeah, well, in Gur, uh, while you're harvesting the plants, they're also trying to harvest you back. And everybody always thought that was, that was fun. So, oh, and big thanks for GW. To, uh, you you guys had a couple of people come down and hang out and listen very patiently while I tried to give my short spiel, like my little five-minute spiel about all the tables and what we were doing with them. Uh, so thank you a lot for coming down. It really meant a lot to us that you came down and took a look and, and that you were taking a look during the siege, which, yeah, at the end of the siege, there was hardly any wall left. I feel like I should definitely maybe double the the size of the, um, not the size, but the hit points of the wall because they were taking them down left and right. I think after the first turn, they had four sections of the wall down, and after maybe the second turn, I want to say it was 14 sections. So they were that wall was coming down. And then by that time, everybody was kind of getting mixed in and out. So it was, it was fun. Um, I think next year we were definitely, the first thing that I thought of is because there's a lot more cavalry heavy armies now. Uh, I, I will definitely probably try to make some horse gates. So that way, you know, people who are defending with cav armies or monsters don't have to like, stand behind the gate and wait for them to get, we actually had a player smash down their own walls because they were tired of waiting with all their monsters. So I was like, okay, uh, next time maybe horse gates. So Saturday night was a very long night and uh, I'm not going to lie. My back was screaming by, by the end of it. And to combat that, I really, I took ibuprofen. I took a nap. I, I tried taking a, I, I took a bath. I, I did all kinds of things that, you know, to try to help, but you, inevitably the only thing that really helps is something to ignore it. Like in, in, when I went to Adepticon in 2016, I had Oxy and um, I didn't get addicted or anything. Don't, don't worry about that. But I, it was, it was something that I didn't want to do because I felt kind of loopy the whole time. So this time I, I tried my best to kind of, um, to like, slowly drink a little bit just enough that I didn't really feel the backache it, it kind of worked and there was this very nice um, young lady who came down with homemade alcohol on Saturday night and she kept giving me uh, glasses of it and it was very strong and so by the end of the night I think that I may have been just slightly a little bit inebriated <laughs> And, and by that, I mean a little, a little much, but, but we got through it. Everything was, you know, everything went well and cleaned up and set up the tables just in case anybody wanted to come down on Sunday for a game. And it was real fun. And on Sunday we were going to stay until Monday, but we were kind of at that point a little bit done with the convention. We obviously didn't have any money left. We'd spent it all at the, you know, the vendor halls and, um, Oh, I found a, by the way, I found a vintage metal skull taker at the vent. Oh, I was so happy. I was like, yeah. So my wife finally got in. And also my fi- my wife finally got interested in starting another army. Unfortunately, it's character and overlords. I kid, I just, uh, but yeah, she, 
she decided she was she wanted to start it, so I went down and I found her some character and overlord stuff and uh and bought it for her to kind of put together and maybe paint up for next year. And well, when we came back I bought a, an STL or two that may have, you know, looked kinda like an ironclad. I have one, but I just thought she might like a different looking ironclad. So we did that and I'm sort of I printed it out and I'm waiting for it to dry right now so that way I can glue it together and then and then I'll cure it the rest of the way. So when I got when we got back, the it was we kind of had maybe what you call it Warhammer fever, where we kind of wanted to keep doing the hobby when we got back. So I I sat there and I put together all the models that I bought at the convention, which were actually only like four or five, but uh, they were the models that I got. I got a couple giants and I got a, that skull taker and I got a, the event specific, um, oh boy, is a swamp shaman. I promptly, uh, I primed them and then left them there. I was like, yeah, and I'll, I'll start painting them as soon as I, uh, you know, do this or that and, and got on dead by daylight and played that for uh, five days straight. So don't, don't blame me for that. <laughs> I was having fun with my friends. It was, it was hard. Work was hard this week. I was catching up a lot. We have a ton of trainings to do. And I just, I don't know. Afterwards, after work, Every day it'll be like seven o'clock and I'm like, oh, I could kind of paint for a couple hours, but I'm feeling dog tired or I could get on this game and just like relax and play with my friends and have fun and, and talk with them. So that, that happened until today, which is, by the way, it's a Saturday after the convention. And I decided today was going to be the day that I did the podcast and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk. And, and so I came in here and I looked around and it was a pigsty. It was an actual mess. I couldn't, I thought to myself, there's, there's no way that I can do this introduction uh, while this place looks like this. I actually could have probably, but I was looking for an excuse to, to put this off while I thought about what I wanted to talk about and kind of collect my thoughts. So I, I did give it a good cleaning. I organized all the miniatures and, put them away and now the shelves are all nice and full again and then I uh, swept up all the stuff and and vacuumed up there were there were two murder hornets in the house that that were dead and got those and you know, everything looks, everything looks kind of clean although we're not gonna have um not gonna have D&D tomorrow unfortunately and we didn't have it on Thursday because we had uh, a a bunch of COVID scares. My friend Will and his um, significant other and and her child um, got got COVID. Well, she didn't get COVID, but her her two of her children did, and they were hanging out with my kid, and and he was all like, "Oh, I can't taste my ramen." So we, you know, he's in his room now, and we we've been making him wear a mask all around and. Uh, he's so far negative test every day and we've tested him twice a day, but I still don't, I didn't want to risk it, especially on Thursday. We were supposed to do Thursday night with Rachel. I, I felt really bad that we missed it because I really, really wanted to, uh, to kill this green dragon, but she says that she has it all painted up now. So, so that's kind of cool. Can't wait for, can't wait to go kill that dragon on uh, Thursday after next. But we also, um, we canceled the 
D&D session this Sunday, which is tomorrow, because um, one of the guys had his transmission blow out. And, and another guy, um, Will, he's the guy that got COVID. So unfortunately for him. And he's actually not feeling so hot. So we didn't want to do it virtually because I didn't want to have him not be feeling good and trying to game and stuff. We just figured we'll do two weeks in a row next week and the week after. I'll have a lot to talk about then, I'm sure, because... I was talking to Mike the other day and um, when he was preparing for the session back when we thought there was going to be a session, he was talking about all the cool stuff that he had lined up for us. And I was very, very excited for that, but you will definitely hear about that after it happens. I'm not going to give any spoilers here. So now we're caught up to today. So what's happening today? Today I'm going to clean house and I think I'm finally, I'm going to get some paint on these undead giants. I've been looking at them, biting my lip. I've been kind of, um, I've been fearing testing the waters of how it's going to turn out. I know they're going to look really cool. They're all primed. They're all built. They're all, everything's ready to go. I just have to paint them. Um, starting is the hardest part. Oh, my daughter bought this enormous creature caster. I think it was like $190 that she's going to use as, as one of her Lords of change. And this thing looks sick. It actually looks really, really good. I kind of wish it was an STL though. That we could have bought, cause I would have bought STL and then printed it out for her, but Oh, well, what are you going to do? At least it, you know, it looks really good. And she put it all together at the convention and she was super happy. We're kind of all getting over that. She had a lot of schoolwork this week cause she missed Thursday and Friday of last week. So her, you know, her schoolwork was all messed up and, She's just been, I don't know, in some classes she's doing really well, 100%, you know, 10 out of 10. And some classes it's she's just not doing well for whatever reason. And I have to try to get her to focus on her schoolwork and this and that. So I think that I'll probably end it here because I'll, I'll definitely, we'll go for, we'll go backward in time and you'll hear Mike in his session zero in my spell. Just, by the way, spell jammers coming up. Uh, this Thursday, I can't wait. That's gonna be so cool. Uh, their actual session one of Spelljammer is coming up, and it's gonna be real fun. I um, Rachel's working on painting that gigantic ship of hers, and uh, I printed out another ship, and I printed out a bunch of bad guys, a bunch of good guys, and I'm just I'm waiting now. I'm gonna actually, you know what? Instead of the instead of the undead giants, I want I'm gonna try to paint stuff for Spelljammer. Cause I know I could get that stuff knocked out super quick and I need, I need it for Thursday and I, it'll be cool. So, and I have to, have to start practicing my voices for, <laughs> for spell jammer again. Cause I kind of forgot in the intervening two weeks and all the excitement for Nova, I forgot how exactly I wanted everybody to sound. I do remember that the, um, the captain, the one that died, she's got this like, uh, this husky type of Jacqueline Kennedy voice. So she, she's like, Oh, thank you. You know, that kind of thing. So I'll definitely be preparing for that. I know that's, I'm going to need at least two, maybe three hours. So I need to set up a night this week to really pour back over all the spell jammer stuff and make sure I'm ready for the session for everybody. Cause I want, I was I always think that the first session is kind of like the one that sets in everybody's mind, the setting, the feel everything. So, and it's not like a normal city. It's not like a normal Dungeons and Dragons sort of thing. I have to put this in their mind that they're like actually in wild space. I have to make sure that they understand the dangers and 
and the wonder and all of the different things, the technology, the, the spells, and how kind of technology and spells work together, and kind of power dynamics. I want to focus on power dynamics because I feel like in, in a society where nobody ages like this, there are going to be really, really rich people, and there are going to be just dirt poor people and and not a whole, whole lot in between. Uh, and no real way for the people who are just like living their life every day to kind of rise to the top. And the, the like really rich sort of corporate folks, they definitely would have no sense of noblesse oblige. Like there would be no kind of no pity left in them after a little while. So that is uh, what I'm going to work on. And I, I'll um I'll check back. I'll tell you what I will do after Thursday. I'll record probably on Friday. Hopefully my voice isn't too out of whack. I'll go ahead and record sort of something going over exactly what happened and maybe I'll maybe I'll have Renee on with me to do that because she'll be in the session or maybe I'll have Mike or something like that. whomever it is that I can maybe find. So that'll be fun. I guess until then, uh, we got the interview with Mike. And if I can get to uh, the store tomorrow, or not tomorrow, day after tomorrow, uh, then I will interview uh, Justin. As long as my son keeps testing negative for COVID, I'll interview him. And otherwise, we might have to do it over Skype or something like that. I don't like interviews over over when I don't have my, my actual equipment because it just doesn't sound, it's hard to get the sound correctly. Well, that's about it. Thank you for listening. I will be, you'll, we'll be right back. All right. It's the day before Nova open. Actually, it's the day of Nova open and we're all excited. We're about to leave. We're leaving like, I don't know, 30 minutes or so. Somebody's pounding down the stairs and, uh, and Mike's got a cat on his lap. We are just waiting for my daughter to get home from school. We, I figured we would just do a little bit of recording before we go, since we have a little bit of time. Mike had a good idea that maybe we could do session zero real quick uh, for his character and for my wife's character. Mike, actually, you know what? Why don't you uh, start off with letting everybody know wh- who are you playing? What's his name? What is he? Hello. Oh God. <laughs> no, I don't, I I don't know. Paul. No, I don't, um, I don't. I don't know if you can use that. Oh, I'm going to use it then. At least not in session zero, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. That might be a little bit, um, risque, my friend. I, I can't, I don't, Everything is risque a little bit. No, I, I can tell you, I can do nothing. Here's what's not risque. <laughs> I, I can do a French accent and no problem. The French people don't care. And, uh, and I can do a Russian accent because that's okay. no big I'll deal. I'll just stick a, uh, I, I won't do the hello. All right? No, yeah, um, it's definitely. <laughs> hey, hi, how are you? Okay, okay. <laughs> Instead of how are? <laughs> no, that's definitely no good. It sounds like uh, definitely sounds like um, uh, something. Yep, something no good. Uh, I am playing uh, Poe. Uh, he is a, uh, a plasmoid druid on there who uh, speaks to machines. And yes, I mean the machine whisperer. He's a mechanical druid. More or less, it means anything that says relates to animals. It's just changed to relates to machines, which means uh, do not send me over to pet the dog. Uh, I will be taking damage. <laughs> yeah, it's, go, go calm that dog down. 
okay. I can just take a drink of water every time I go to like talk. <laughs> just, be, just be a pouring and be like, <laughs> My name is Arnold Poe. I am talking to the machines. You need to open up for a door. Do it now. Follow me if you want to live. <laughs> you, but you, you just like slammed yourself down the hole. Follow me. I'm not going down that hole. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Is that a slime trail? You're like, no. <laughs> just do the whole game in that yeah. accent for that voice. That would be yeah. so funny. Let me ask you, comrade. Comrade, what are you playing? <laughs> She's just shaking her head. Yes, child. Chore chart. Bring back souvenirs. Ha! That is my only request. We'll bring I you know, back I something. Jeez Louise. <laughs> and for that, just for that, her chore chart doubled. We pay them for their chores. <laughs> so she should pay you money to bring back yeah, souvenirs. Souvenirs are their payment for their extra chores they have. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so on a serious <laughs> note, I do believe you you will have to like either swing it over or get a little close. You need to kiss that mic. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, you are playing, as I recall, a GIF. A GIF, yes. If you call it that, you will rocks will fall. If you speak in a Russian accent, rocks will fall. All other GIFs talk in Russian accent like this. Not my fault you weren't raised on Homeworld. <laughs> Never slimes talk like this. I'm not a GIF. I'm a gnome. No, no, no gnome looks like a hippo, is eight and a half feet tall, and also contaminates its own drinking water, killing all the live fish in it with poop. That's Gnomes don't do My that. My drinking water doesn't have fish. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely your voice. It's got to be from now on. No. Anyways... <laughs> I was raised by gnomes. Yeah? What does that mean for your your gunpowder addiction? Nothing. It's it's what it is. It's what it is. <laughs> My okay. parents were very um, accommodating. Yes, we're, we were very accommodating to our little... What were What's your name again? Jiffy. Oh, yeah, we were very accommodating to our Jiffy. Uh, she... She was a very interesting little child. And by that, I mean, she was definitely taller than us when we got her at about three and a half months old. Um, growing ve- up very fast with the other gnome children, she had some problems with bullying, but those were solved pretty quickly after one or two broken gnomes. I just sat on them. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I feel like we really did raise her right. I mean, she's soft-spoken she's a good girl she's very nice but uh what's your family name short bottom yeah but but in all the other traditions of the short bottoms she don't take no shit from nobody right darling oh yeah we raised you right i feel we're you're ready to go out in the world definitely so uh, we've got ourselves a gif uh i'm sorry a gnome jiffy 
gnome a gnome gif artificer and she's definitely got herself a shotgun uh and yep. then we've got yeah, yeah, we we've got our slime boy over there, and I got the doggy, and and a, and a Lily, Lily's up there Hello, too. Doggy, and I figured we'd do session zero here. So, you know what? Let's go ahead and start since the mic is over near Mike. Uh, we're going to start with you. Um, and we talked a little bit about what, because a lot of the stuff that happened in Alan's session zero was, was really talked about, oops, was talked about beforehand with Mike. <laughs> and so we're going to start with, with you, uh, waving goodbye to your friends on the pirate ship as it burns. I was not waving goodbyes and everything else. I was sitting in my rooms and I was talking with the other pilots of the, the uh, the shuttle that was with me there, very good at chess and very good at enjoying the commotions that were going on. And as I was talking to her, I was asking I was asking her specifically what she enjoyed doing, and she said she. Enjoyed I enjoy saving people from catastrophes. Well, I, and, then, and then some explosions happened and everything else, and she's like, I would like to save you. And I said, well, what about the other people? And she goes, well, your room is already here. And I said, well, you make a good point to that one there. I don't have to move a lot of stuff. And then, of course, as I was running off, one of the other pirates yelled at me and said, uh, you need to go. You need to go. Get go on." I think uh, and he, was, he was sending me off. He was saying to I, go up to the deck. That or he may have been telling me to get out of the thing. They made him move into my room. But um, when when they hit the eject button on there and they sent it off, I, they were all very, all the pirates were waving at me and everything else, and they were all there were many tears that were leaving from their eyes. I think it was a very sad thing seeing me leave on them, and I would miss them greatly and everything else. He spaced five of them. The other ones were holding on to the railings and also waving for him to come back, but we were already launched. I like to think that they were, uh, they jumped out and everything else just to give me another high five as I was leaving. And the, a couple of them hit the window and stuff like that. And I was, I was high fiving the window for them and stuff like that, and giving them the thumbs up that they were doing an awesome job. Positive reinforcement is always great among pirates. You need to make sure that they know that they are appreciated people. So, you guys make it to about two and a half hours of floating out in wild space before him and the ship's computer, before you hear a ragged buzzing sound as the ship's inner spirit roughly tears itself into about 10,000 code chunks and disappears. Wait. It wasn't going so well for you. And the I next... Mean, I, was, I was having a great time talking with the computer. Yeah, the last thing you heard was her saying something like, I got to get out. I have to get out. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then... You something about the self-destruct system that they had. And I, 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 I don't really know. So about 15 lonely minutes later, you hear a thunk and, um, and you see a an indent on the side of the ship. And... On the indent, like, you could see that the ship was actually pierced by what appears to be some sort of a harpoon, like a grapnel harpoon. <laughs> you just poking it? I mean, yeah. That's, that's great radio, by the way. He's he putting his fingers my, off. And, wiggling my finger. Oh, uh, you get people out there. It's, no. it's quite hot. It actually burns your finger a little bit. As though somebody had just shot it out of a cannon. 
Okay. Um, well, I'm going to uh, get my uh, little backpack on and uh, clean up my room here a little bit. Uh, clean up your room. On there and uh, look around and get myself all set up, put a big old smile on my face and put myself in slime form. And wait. All right. So you um, <laughs> put yourself in slime form and the, the, the door opens up and you hear... Well, hi. Well, well, well. You no, see, uh, no, this is an escape pod. It's not a well. Wells are usually a bigger thing that's in the ground. They have some water in the bottom of them, and every so often there's a bucket on there. They've they've also done like some pumping systems, but it it. I honestly, I hear this a lot and stuff like that, and I think it's people are very um, confused about wells. So I've made it my job to actually reinforce what what it is and stuff like that. So they don't they don't feel bad when talking in public and everything else. We have a moron. You see a. A uh, sharply dressed elven woman, and she looks like she's got a sort of a captain's hat on, like a pirate captain's hat on. Like she's this? not really a captain. Yeah, kind of like that. And she's got a tight fitting military uniform with the, uh, she's got like a little name badge and it says Xeno, Termin- Xeno Extermination Limited on it. And she says, Well, you'll do. Come on, step out, my young friend. All right, you step out and um, she greets you warmly and you. Yeah. she starts talking about how smart you are. She's like, oh, you're so smart and absolutely you got you right off of that me ship. A moron. No, of course not. I would never do that. Come, we've got, uh, we have what I consider to be the best meals in the whole world just waiting for you. All right. She brings... And, and she like nods to a um, a very smiling member of her crew, and you see that he's got he's got a, a also a jumper on that says Xeno Extermination Limited, and he also over the jumper he's got kind of like a, a set of leathers. He's got a short sword at his side and a pistol on his other side. I have he, one of those. He smiles at you. He's like. Well, well, well. Ain't you a sight for sore eyes? You're so nice. No, and I'm a... See, this is what I mean. I'm like, okay, like, I'll look over at her. This is what I mean about the wells, wells, wells. Like, people keep saying it to me, and it's... It, there is no wells out here where you're in, in space, and it, it, it doesn't work that way. She nods at you uh, as though she's listening to every detail that you're saying, <laughs> and she says... Oh, I'll be sure to punish him later. Don't you worry. No, you don't need to punish me. It's a common mistake among people and stuff like that. I, I, I figured maybe there was some trauma. I, there was a there was a thing where some like a person uh, fell down a well, and then this animal like went and sought out other people and stuff like that, and was like that person fell down the well and everything else, and they were like, well. And it was like, well, and it was like, it was the well. So I, I think that's where they got the well, well, well from. She, um, she stands there and looks you right in your, do you have eyes at the moment? Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll have my little, uh, she eye, looks eye, you eye right in the face. eyes and looks like she's staring at you and she's just nodding at you like, yeah, yeah. And every once in a while she'll be like, she'll say, uh-huh. Yeah, I definitely. Mm-hmm. And then, um, after you stop. Listener, like. Like most of the people that I've talked to. She, after you stop talking and once you say that, she says, well, I got to go now. And then you see her, okay, you see bye. her just like shimmer into a puddle of goo. Okay. Bye. 
and, and it like slops to the floor like water. And you see the other guy has kind of, um, he, he's still smiling at you and he looks like he's juggling at the moment. Beat. Let's go get you settled, eh? You want something great to eat? We've got ourselves a five-star kitchen. I mean, Come on. I, I, I don't usually eat and stuff like that, but you know that everyone happy to take some of the, the, the foods that you have. So. We've got whatever you want. Captain Sartosa, she keeps us well and good, truly fed. Also, the best accommodations, five-star resort we've got on this ship. You look around. The ship is made of all wood, and it appears to be made for a creature that's at least three to four times larger than you. Actually, can you uh, give me a knowledge check? Uh, history, please. Sure. It, you see that there are perhaps 15 or 20 cannons on the on the deck of this ship, and it's really enormous. Uh, untrained knowledge history check, uh, 13. 13, okay. Um, you correctly identify this as a gift ship. This, Or at least it once was a gift ship. These, okay. these creatures are definitely too small for the ship. The... Um, all the doorways are like 12 feet high and they're wide enough to fit what appeared to be a hippo through. Yeah, um, I'm a small size porn. So this, and, and as you are like going downstairs, you actually see a hippo like, uh, on the deck. Uh, no, no, no. Like way far back. Like you, I'm talking like a solid 80 or a hundred feet away. Gotcha. Hello. <laughs> okay. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll wave and stuff like that and like holler out and stuff like that and, just keep following the guy, like okay. just happy go lucky. So he goes, he goes down. He he shows you to this room that's um, it's festooned with, it's got like a really beautiful, nice bed. It's it's kind of uh, large for you, but it's got lots of lacy pillows on it and tons of just like nice blankets. And on the in the one corner, there is a full bar with a with what appears to be a sort of like assortment of bottles of either liquor or water or what have you. And on the other side of the door, I'm sorry, the other side, there is a, a like a five-star meal set out and prepared, plated and everything. You see steam rising off of what appears to be like slices of roast beef with layered high with, um, with gravy. You've got like peas and a whole bunch of um, mashed potatoes. You've got, some sort of red, thick red sauce, and then like delicate looking cakes in the back. Okay. Um, he nods and then closes the door. Poe will walk over and grab like just a random piece of food, like like a red stick muffin. Red stick muffin. <laughs> well, they do have soft, thick slices of bread that are, uh, they look to be steaming hot from the oven with a large butter dish beside it. We'll just take the bread and just like, <laughs> kind of like shove it inside of him. He's like, mm. it, it's actually kind of hot. <laughs> yeah, his skin color will like change from like the pink color that it is to like more of like an orange, and then like red. And he's like, this is hot. A little that. little steam good, coming good, out of your little. That cool down. It's all it's all like gooey from being inside. You <laughs> should put it back on the plate. <laughs> Uh, um, well, uh, what would you like to do after that? All right. Is there anybody else in the room? Um, there is a rather large window on the other side of the room. And by that, I mean, um, it's a, a literal hole cut out into the side of the ship. There's nothing, there's no like glass or anything there. Um, 
I'll move over to it and um, kind of up up to it. All right. You look over, um, over and up and out of the. Actually, make a perception check. Sure. Perception check is going to be a nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Uh, at the corner of your eye, you spy something purple, um, like ducking around the other side of the ship. Something is like crawling on the outside of the ship. And you hear a small clink, almost like a bottle. But that's not what really catches your attention. What catches your attention is the ship that's currently your old ship. And it's just, like, exploding. And it's, it's fires all over it. It was this, like, sturdy-looking metal dwarven ship. And it looks kind of like a trash can fire right now. You see people just, just jumping out into space. In Hello. the wild space. They oh, they they like try to do they they're like waving their arms and legs. But oh, you just see them spinning. Those people were so kind to me. Look, they're still <laughs> waving. Goodbye, goodbye. All right, you you wave goodbye for like a stop because in wild space, like you can kind of see for a little while. So you're still waving about I don't know fifteen or twenty minutes later as they're as they're like flailing and like. I think they're still waving to me, so I'm like, goodbye, yeah. goodbye. You, um, <laughs> when you feel the ship shudder and you hear, that, as something hits the top of the ship. Well, I'm going to go look. I'll, I'll slam my way over to the door and I'll like morph myself into like the humanoid form and be like, hmm. like put her like hat, like morph my head into like the ship. A little pirate hat. hat. Like my the chest kind of like has that little bit like look to of like the same captain's uniform that she was wearing uh-huh. little like name tag will pop up with Poe po. <laughs> <laughs> on it and I'll try the door handle. All right. It's open. <laughs> Definitely. All right. I, I thought you would try the door handle and it was open and you're like, I just slide underneath the door. <laughs> it's still <laughs> slide underneath the door. Well, you know, they're polite enough to open the door for me. I don't need to slide under it. Again. Yeah. So, um, you hear the ship rock again, and you hear shouts from up above. And you hear tink, 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 tink. Like sounds like not not the club. <laughs> it sounds like no. It sounds like there's fighting up above. And then you hear a, a gunshot go off, like a like a solid shot from like a pistol or a revolver. I know what those sound like. <laughs> yeah, you pull out your you pull out your unloaded pistol. <laughs> and I'll start making my way up. All right, you make your way up, and you you see as you get up to the, about the middle of the ship, you see uh, a bedlam around you. There are Gith Yankee everywhere. They're kind of like jaundiced elves, and they're kind of cruel. They've boarded the ship from another ship that's like sort of speeding overhead, mm-hmm. and there there's three of them battling the captain. She looks like she's holding her own, and you see one of the Gith Yankee like start to come over at you, okay. and he looks like he has a cruel look on his face. And in one hand, he has a cutlass. And on the other hand, he has an overly large straw. And he appears to be bringing it to his mouth. <laughs> like he's going to try and suck you up or something. All right. Uh, I take the dodge action. And I wave at him. Hello. He, Are you uh, here for the party? He slices at you with his cutlass. Uh, missing. Hello? And then, and then like, he kind of, he looks a little bit disturbed by it. But he keeps trying. He keeps trying. He keeps trying. <laughs> Um, at one uh, point he does are, get are his, we, are um, we fighting right now? Should I, should I be attacking you back? Well, at one point he brings that, that overly large straw up to his mouth and you think he's going to try and like suck you in, but he spits something out at you. 
go into puddle form. All right, it, it like hits the deck and then and then kind of like falls into you. It looks like it's a dart of some sort, like a little tiny dart. Can I spit it back at him? Uh, yes, you may. <laughs> You make like a straw shape out of your... 19? Yes, you hit him. <laughs> you drop this! <laughs> it hits him right in the side, and he's just like... Ugh! But it's at this point that you notice a pitch black bar of light stream over your shoulder and hit the captain square in the back. As it does, she screams a final scream of pain as from her back, her shoulders, her head up just disappears into fine glittery mist that appears to be some sort of like a like an ash of sorts that's not good her uh her body like slams forward into the deck and uh the three gith yankee that were fighting her kind of like look around a little bit confused i quickly realize that i'm still looking like the captain and i uh i'll go back into slime form <laughs> All right, you go ahead in the slime form, and as you're out of the corner of your eye, you actually notice that um, another, like a Thrycreen that's purple, the same purple that you saw crawling around the ship a little earlier, holding what appears to be a a large smoking pistol that melts off of him and just sludges onto the deck, quickly catches fire, and then puts itself out. Um, and that's when the spell that was affecting you, the friendship spell that was affecting you. There was no friendship leaves. spell affecting me. This is the way I always am. There was. I can tell you that right now. There was. And uh it if it leaves you and you remember all of the things that happened since you got on the ship. As you were talking, the captain was sitting there saying, Oh God, you're such a moron. Oh my God. Why did we ever pick this guy up? Should I just space him now? The other guy who you, you thought was like super nice to you. He was like, he was like, come on, idiot. Come on. Let's get into your idiot room. Got some slop for you. Moron. And, and like you go, you remember going down to the room and there's just like a single cot with like s- straw on it and a big slop bucket in the corner. That has like some steaming hot slop. So I got improvements from like my no, previous. No, definitely my not improvements. With the, private, with the pirates and stuff like that. And uh, you know that a, a friendship spell was cast on you. This ball is rolling up. I'm going up in the world. And and you are not happy about it. Normally, I would not tell a, a player what to think or an action to think. But this spell actually says that afterwards uh, you are... Like, you feel actively hostile. That was a little rude. And I'll go into star form. You go into star form? All right, um, that's where session zero will end for you right now because uh, session one's going to pick up with the Gith Yankee. They're still attacking. Okay. Like, that guy's still trying to... He, he used, He's trying to use the flat of his blade to, like, slap at you on the deck as you're, like, in puddle for... He's like... He's looking a little bit decidedly green around the gills, by the way, when you hit him with that. Whatever was in that. Going red, going into star form. <laughs> okay, no problem. Uh, do we have enough time for you? What time is that? 3.11. Oh, no, yeah, we don't have enough time. Sorry, honey. Right. We'll do it when we get back. I promise. Bye. We are here talking to Ev. Of course. The second that we start, he's coming. Why did you let him in here? 
I didn't let him anywhere. He Why just he you? goes where he goes. Okay. <laughs> Justin got sick. I don't know if it was con crud gone bad or maybe from his work or possibly a you know COVID type thing, but unfortunately he was sick and we were not able to get together and talk about Nova. So I figured I'd talk to Evelyn about her um, experiences at Nova Open and her games because, you know, while I was doing a whole lot of running around like a chicken with my head cut off at Nova trying to get everybody's reports, I kind of wasn't able to focus on the nitty gritty of like what happened in in like her games or Renee's games and listening to, to Bill from the Rolling Bad podcast. Oh, by the way, uh, you definitely should check out the Rolling Bad podcast. It is really good. Bill is an excellent friend. I've known him for a couple of years now and he, he makes a great production. I would definitely say go look at that. Yeah, it's it's really good. Let's let's uh, here. Let me just ask you. Uh, let's start with the very beginning. Thursday morning, we're bright and early. Ten o'clock. We had just stayed up until like two the night before. We got a solid six and a half hours of sleep. It was glorious. It was glorious. <laughs> she rolled her eyes. Uh, who was your first game against on Thursday? Thursday morning. I played the death board. Okay, so you the, played like, the the. I played on the death, like, marshes, like the deathy swamp. Uh, yeah, there was the, the graveyard board, the the one where there was a ton of graveyard stuff. And every time you um you killed something, it would come back, and you had to get 75 points. Is that yeah. the one? Oh, yeah, because that game, it started, we started on time, and and then it ran for, like, ever. Yeah, I remember coming back from lunch, and they were still playing. And they were like, we're only at like 30 points or something like that. I thought it would go quick. Like I thought they would kill things very quickly, but it did not happen as quickly as I thought it would. Yeah, 75 points was a lot. Yeah, so um, I believe you played against, um, was it a mirror match? Was it Nurgle against Nurgle there? Or no, wait, you played against, who, who did you play against? It wasn't a mirror match. because Oh, I never you played actually, Ogres, right? Ogres was my game after that i think uh, we're all the mixed up this game. is like two weeks later so you gotta bear with us oh i do remember that the second match though was on um your second match was the field of avercrop the next morning yeah yeah no that was the, the evening thursday evening or thursday thursday morning you played the the whatchamacallit then thursday evening you played fields of avercrop the the one with the little palisade and you had to stomp the fields I thought I played that Friday evening because Friday m- morning. No, f- I, I said, whoa! I thought I played that Friday morning because Friday evening is when I played when I played Bill. Yeah. And then Friday and then Saturday morning is when I played on the table of pain. Yeah, but Bill, um, yeah, Saturday morning you played on the table of pain. On Friday night you played Bill on the eight points table, right? That's the the big realm gate with the eight chains. Yeah. And then that morning you played on the um the table with all the the um the cannons? The cannons was Thursday evening. The only reason I remember that is cuz it was an evening match and it started really late. Ah, okay. And who did, do you remember who you played? I did play against Ogres. Ah, cool. And and what happened during that game? That game was it was crazy. We were all trying to get our cannons like over to our side. I pushed and he defended instead of pushing back so i so i kind of i got my cannons and then just kind of fanned outwards going for the two outer cannons his two little cannons and what did you did you summon anything during that game 
I think I summoned a unit of 10 Plague Bearers. Nice, nice. That's Uh, cool. Yeah, he did manage to get his big cannon out of there, though. That's right. He did get that one big cannon out. Yeah, which did affect the siege later on. Yep. And um, what about the Fields of Avercrop? Do you remember that game? Oh, that game was so fun. We both had so much fun with that match. Who did you play against? Oh, man. I played against... uh, It wasn't... This is two weeks later. Was that against Korn? Oh, actually... Oh yeah, I remember because corn was wasn't defending it. Corn was already, corn uh, was already. Yeah, corn was, was already there, and I was <laughs> it just, just attacked like, it. You were like, ah, time to roll up on some corn. Like, yeah, I want this for myself. So corn wasn't necessarily defending as much as they were. Uh, I want this. Okay, so uh, and what happened during that game? That game was fun. Um, I I I was attacking the little town of Avercrop. Yep, Avercrop. And um, and I started off by just getting all those fields, just ravaging them, and then and then I let the squigs go. <laughs> you let the squig go. You just rubbed your butt in all the crops, and then. Oh yeah, no, it was all diseased, and uh, I let the squigs go, and they definitely attacked. They, they did work until they died. <laughs> Poor old squigs. Yeah, they they don't. I I learned that they don't live too long. Yeah, but they're fun. They are fun. So that was the Evercrop. And you know, I'll have you I'll have you know that the Fruit Bar planes will never be the same again. We um we just we've been messing around with the map and Justin's been updating it. And the first thing that he did was he he put a big old Nurgly part in the Fruit Bar planes from Nurgle's presence there. And they, they, he was talking about how everybody from Evercrop is having to uh burn all the fields to try to get the Nurgle stink out of there. Oh yeah, cuz I definitely I created a huge famine with all of that. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, you you absolutely gave them something to eat. Oh, yeah. No, I, I love just, things to eat there. It's just... Uh, just not things that are, like, suitable to your health. It, maybe they're not 100% edible, but you could still eat it if you wanted to. <laughs> if you wanted to. If you wanted to die horribly of some disease, yes. Mm-hmm. And Got if it. you wanted to throw up until you died, then, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yep, poop yourself to death. That's that's the way to go right there. I don't think so. So you made your existence known. Now, if you, if I recall, as I recall, when you were playing the cannon match, you um you lost something. I rolled up onto that table, set my things down, looked over, and my great unclean one was missing a nurgle, nurgling off the top of the model, like the physical nurgling. My opponent immediately went, you know what? I'm going to make this narrative. There's a Nurgling lost on this table, and wherever I drop this dice, it's just there. And so the first time he dropped the dice, it landed on a cannon, and the Nurgling shot a cannon. <laughs> it was the best. So now also there's a there's a Nurgling that just, like, infests the sewers around, um, around Shoremir, and nobody it's kind of like one of those things where every once in a while somebody will see him, and they kind of think he's like a little crocodile or something. Or like a really ugly grot. Yeah, really ugly grot. And uh, it's it's kind of, in, it's made into one of these, uh, what do you call them, those tall tales, kind of like a myth or something, like an urban legend of Shoramir. Oh, but he's having so much fun up in there. Oh, I bet. And they're oh, stuff. and Shoramir hates us, by the way, now. Hates me, by the way. Uh, you poisoned were, the water hole. I, yeah, I definitely poisoned the well. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you've you've captured Shoremir as this force of Nurgle, uh, the docks at least. What do you want to do? And she's like, oh, I want to poop the place up a little. And I was like, okay, no problem. Uh, the entire city instantly comes to the defense and like 
promptly kicks you out because <laughs> they just did not want any of that. Shormir is kind of the place that's supposed to be neutral where everybody can come no matter where they f- are from. So you have like ogre mercenaries rubbing shoulders with, you know, cities of Sigmar and Canites and uh, some Stormcast and Grots are scampering about the streets. And, you know, it's it's kind of like a big free for all. Even even followers of the Chaos Gods can come in there as long as they don't proselytize. Yeah. And then I came up in there and they were like, we don't like you. Yeah, because you came and poisoned all the water sources. You you were poisoning the place. You were making everybody you sick. Can, you can still drink it. Just if like- you want to poop to death. And nobody wants to poop themselves to death. So she was probably kicked out of there. That was pretty funny. Went down to the eight points table and like threw her weight around there. What happened in that that game? That was with Bill, right? Oh, yeah. That game was seriously, it was, it was probably the best game I had there. It was so fun. It was a... A mosh pit of just like death and more death and I'm dying, he's dying. Poor old Rodigus like got his butt whooped. Oh, what'd you do? I charged him into uh what was what's that character's name? Karazai the Scared. I'm sorry. No. Karazai the Scarred. The unsung hero of the age of chaos. Unsung hero of the whole game, by the way. While everybody else was out cowering in their Azir strongholds, Karazai did not spend one single day without his talons drenched in the blood of the followers of the Chaos Gods. So yeah, Radigus is did not stand a chance, but uh, eventually, eventually he fell. Who who got him? Uh, do you remember who got Karzai? Oh, it was probably like the like twenty plague bearers. He charged him into. <laughs> he charged him into twenty plague bearers, really, or the disease. Oh, disease points might have gotten him. Yeah. Um, and that in long matches, I learned uh, disease typically gets models before I do. Yep. Most definitely. Most definitely. What about the siege? Who, wh- uh, who did you face off against? I mainly faced off against this uh, this dude who was playing Lumineth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, um, he, qu- he joined a little bit late for the siege and uh, replaced one of the players who couldn't make it. Yeah. And, um, and kind of partially to his right was uh, the ogre player that I'd faced in Tromir. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was to your left. Uh, and I think you had Paul Conti next to you? Oh, yeah. I, uh, we, we stuck Nurgle right up next to each other so we could use the same wheel. You guys were nurgling it up. Yeah, that was kind of neat. And um, what did you think about the siege? Oh, the siege was amazing. We had, uh, the pictures were amazing. There were so many models, like, everywhere on the table. I think you talked about how we were, like, going to set a, a world record for most amount of, like, GW plastic on the table. Oh, we were trying. We were trying. And, um, yeah, you, it was a lot of a lot of models, a lot of really good, nicely painted models. Was- I want to say that at any point in time during that match, we probably had about 60,000-ish points on the, on the actual table. Yeah. And so. not to mention, like, the, vi- the actual victory points that we got, we were only, like, three points off like tops like every round yep every single round it was xl there was one round where you guys were five points down but the last round uh the winners won by three points three points that's so close who did you mainly bring back during the siege who died a lot that you brought back well people kept sending like somebody set kragnos over and somebody sent a maw crush over so i was just charging my great unclean one into it and killing him but then he would promptly die afterwards, so I would just bring him back, like, every time. Nice. I'd look over at my opponent, I'd be like, guess who's coming back? <laughs> and they were probably like, 
Uh. Oh God was typically the re- reaction. <laughs> nice, nice. But yeah, he was. He did work. He uh, he killed Kragnos twice, I think. Wow, twice. Yeah, he um he got he got mushed by a Maw Crusher, but then came back and absolutely mushed the Maw Crusher. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I and then he killed like two Thundertusks as wow, well. Holy crap! Like in the middle of all that. Now let me tell you why I have that rule in there because. If you think about it, in a lot of I play, I used to play a lot of Apocalypse. In fact, when I first got back into 40k, that was almost all I played. I would play every Saturday. We play huge games. What I found was I loved playing with huge amounts of models, but I didn't like that your big model could get shot off the table or killed off the table turn one, and then you just can't use it anymore. Like it, it really is frustrating to have a model that you really love and he dies, and then you can't use it for the next four hours in this big battle where all you can use, you're supposed to be able to use your strongest stuff, your biggest, your Archeons, your Bellicors, your Maw Crushes, your Rodiguses, everything, right? You want to use that stuff. And so I thought to myself, why don't they just bring back one thing each turn? And then if they want to bring back another thing, it costs them a command point and a victory point. Yeah, I had had a lot of people thinking like, hey, do I want to bring this back? Because I know the victory points are so close. And I just kind of looked over and I was like, I'm spending like a victory point over here, like every round. It was great. Yeah, this is no problem, honestly. I I would always say if you're if you're hesitant about doing it, don't worry about the score because oh, the whole time by the way, the score was uh, kept secret. Like I didn't let them see the score, so they didn't know if they were up or down. I would let them know how close it was. Like I'd say, oh, it's within two points, and at one point, we ended. I think it was round two. We ended, and it was within one point. One point, and. And everybody kind of looked around and they were like, yeah, I'll spend a couple of points. And it was really great. I, I love that. Uh, I, I like that mechanic. It really works well for you being able to like, nobody's bringing back a unit of 40 zombies because they're a pain in the butt to move across the board. But everybody wants to bring back their Rodiguses, their Kragnoses, their Archeons. You, you want to be able to just use those models. And the way that I set up the whole battle is you get to bring 2000 points plus one model. And that one model could be whoever you want. So like you're 2000 points plus Nagash or you're 2000 points plus Archeon. Yeah, that was crazy. There was a Nagash on the table. Oh, if yeah. Not two. Uh, there was only one. Um, that was uh, Mike. Mike brought it mm-hmm. and he had some fun with that. I'll tell you. Yeah, I know. I could tell he was definitely having fun over there. He was murdering up some Stormcast. So, yeah, uh, that that was I'd say the most fun we've had since 2019, <laughs> right? Yeah, the 2019 siege. I'd say we kept time a lot better this time. No, we kept it pretty well last time, but this time people were getting done at around the 20 to 25 minute mark rather than like I'm thinking to myself, oh no, 29 minutes. Come on, dice down, guys. You know, it's almost 30. We had 30 minute rounds. But everybody seemed to, after the first round, it was like a well-run, well-oiled clock. That's what it felt like. I think that in the future, what I'll probably do is I will, because um, by the end of it, there was hardly any actual wall left to fight over. So what I'm going to do in the future is I'm going to have, um, I'm going to make horse gates because one of the problems was that you're, you know, I told him, I said, your, your big monsters can't get up on the walls, but they can smash the walls down. Anything can garrison the walls except for cavalry, which have to stay down. And 
I felt bad because we had a couple of people that did have some cavalry and they complained that they didn't have too much to do. So I think that in the future, I'm definitely going to give some horse gates. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I did have some cavalry just kind of like, then again, my cavalry could fly, but I didn't fly over, I don't think. Yeah, it was fine. Um, But I, I just think, I definitely think that I want to include a special rule for cavalry to allow them to include you know, be included a little better in the battle, especially since there are some armies that are full cav. So, yeah, like, um, the ogres, other than his monsters, he was playing almost all cavalry. Yeah. So definitely I'll, in the future, I'll, I'll, uh, fix that. Um, what about outside of the actual event? Did you, um, what did you think about the food? Oh, the food, it was, it's definitely interesting. It was it was a new concept of our, the cantina points instead of actual money, and it was a it was a bit pricey, but it all tasted good. I typically actually ended up sticking to like the fruit cups because those were like really good. The fruit cups, I thought they were good. I kind of wish that there were more vegetable options, if I'm being honest, because I had there was like this enormous hoagie. And that was really good, the ham hoagie. Oh, yeah, that thing I could barely even finish. But I found myself wanting to have that, and then, like, uh, they were like, hey, you can have, like, some fries, or you could have this or that. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I could really use some, like, carrots. I could use some, just something that, just vegetables, or, I, I know that's maybe an unpopular opinion, but I do like to eat vegetables a lot. Yeah, I, I did notice that there was, a, there was a lot of fruit and a lack of veggies. Yeah. We went, we did the, let's see, we ordered Chinese one night and that was pretty good. Oh yeah, that was good. Justin paid for that. Thank you very much, Justin. That was greatly you, appreciated. Um, and then. And we had a food truck one night. That oh, yeah. was really good. Yeah. I went to this place that was, um, I can't remember what it was called, like the greasy wagon or something like grease pit. I can't remember what it was called, that, but it had grease in its name. So I was like, ah, oh, it has to be good. <laughs> and, and I got everybody, um. What did it, what did we get? Cheesesteaks. Oh yeah, I got everybody cheesesteaks and uh they um and then fries. I think, right? Yeah, yeah, like covered fries, smothered and covered fries. Oh, they were so delicious. Oh yeah, it was like bacon and cheese covered fries. It was insane. Mm, yeah, that was good. Yeah, we um it was really heavy though. I remember after that I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> I felt really tired after that. But it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was sixty seven dollars, but it was good. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, no, I got I got a meal for for a lot of people, not just our, you know, what have you. Uh, so yeah, the the food was pretty okay. The I'm super happy that we brought beers and stuff like drinks and monsters and beers and waters because the drinks were a little expensive. I was, you know, I don't really balk too much at pricing because look at the hobby I'm in, but. The first night I looked over and said, I'm not buying a soda for $6 and I'll buy a beer for $10 because that's a, you know, that's kind of a luxury thing. You have a beer and hang out and spend money, but sodas. Yeah. I can like killed monsters in that trip. Yeah. We, we bought, we brought like, I don't know, like 32 monsters and they were all gone by the end of it. It was good though. It was real good. It was very good. And I did buy a couple of their beers, but at $10 a pop, you can't. You, know, you just can't be throwing down that stuff if you want to hit the vendor hall. Oh, yeah. The vendor hall was huge as well. Tell me about uh, what your large purchase at the vendor hall that you're holding in your hand right now. Uh, my very large purchase was a, uh, it was a 
it was a, it's a creature caster model, and I got it for my new army because I'm starting Zinch next. Yeah. And it is it's going to be my Lord of Change, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's, oh, I have no clue what it's the like hell that Lord, thing is. And then it starts with an M, and it could be malignant. It could not be. Lord Malignant, yeah, that kind of sounds right. Anyway, this thing looks crazy, and it I mean crazy, insane. crazy. Definitely is right now. She's literally painting it up as she's talking to us. Uh, let me ask you: Did you happen to open up the link that I sent you the other day, uh, talking about the new Zinch Army book? I saw it, but I was not able to open it because I was like in school. Well, obviously, you should just run out of your class real quick, take a take a break. I had no clue she was sleeping over there. I had no clue you were sleeping. <laughs> Holy crap. My other daughter just just popped out of a couch. She just laid down and fell asleep. And, and then I, I saw something moving. I was like, what's that over there on that couch? And, and that purple spot just became my other daughter. We're, we're podcasting, honey. I'm sorry. I, if I had known, I would have um, waited. <laughs> it took herself a little nap, huh? She just started middle school, so she's uh, she's still adjusting, let's just say. Poor girl. She's doing well, though, so I'm happy. So, Disciples of Zinch. Yeah, in the future, when you get a when you get a text from me that has a link to a new army book, you are to immediately look at your teacher, screech at the top of your lungs, run out, and then immediately run across the street and down to where you actually get signal because they don't get any signal at their school in the middle of the road. So that way you make sure you get the signal quickest. Don't, don't get any cover from those trees and then look at it. I'll keep that in mind next time. Okay. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. But no, I did send you a link to um, the new disciples of Zinch army book that's coming out. Ooh. And yeah, it's supposed to have some cool changes. There are a couple of changes to, to the Lord of Change and a couple of changes to Kairos, I do believe, and a couple of army-wide changes that, that are pretty neat. Uh, things that allow you to um, affect die rolls and things like that. Oh, that, that sounds very fun. So, Vendor Hall, uh, what else did you get other than that large, huge, enormous Lord of Change creature caster model? Um, I got a new dial for the army. I got a purple two-numbered dial. It looks really cool, and it's up in my room just hanging. The, like, from the laser etch place? Yeah. Cool. I also bought, like, nine of these little baby potions from going three separate times. Okay, this this vendor <laughs> had these potions selling for, I think it was, I think it was three for two. Three potions for two dollars. And I went, I went to the vendor hall, like, 15 times. Probably more like five. But three of those times... I walked over and I bought three. And now I have nine of these little potions in my room. I'm not exactly sure what to do with them. But I'm going to do something. Do not drink them. Oh, no. They're they're not liquid. They're definitely not. I think they're painted on the inside, aren't they? They're like um, little glass bottles with little stoppers and stuff. Yeah. I What I theorize is that they're just actually cotton balls. Uh, and then paint and then maybe resin. Well, when I say like little, I mean like the the size of the end of your pinky finger. Oh yeah, these things are. Or maybe one of them might be the size of your thumb nail. You know what I mean? They're real small. Yeah, and so I got nine of them. And we got a bunch of coasters, new coasters for the table from that oh. same place. It was like a wood burning lady, and she did a bunch of like D and D uh, and kind of D and D inspired 
wood burning. And so I got a bunch of beholder ones and a bunch of D20s and they, they look really nice. I used them this Thursday. Oh yeah, I'm using one right now. <laughs> um, another thing that I we got, we, we got a lot of shirts and, and hoodies yeah. and for my birthday, uh, my dad got me uh, like a hoodie, and Mike got me a hoodie. Yeah, and, we both got our hoodie. And I have, and I got, and I got a shirt, and yeah, Nurgle shirt, Nurgle shirt, Nurgle shirt, and a Nurgle hoodie. I've. She was talking about how she wanted the Nurgle shirt and a hoodie, and so I went back the next day and just got her the same one and a hoodie because I figured, you know, she wants it, and that's what she wants for her birthday. Then I'll get four, right? Yeah, it was it was great. And then Mike got you the Dice Goblin one. Yes, because I, I do like me some dice. Yeah, you are a Dice Goblin. Uh, well, let's see, what else did you, what else did we go uh, to the vendor hall to get? Did you, it's too bad you didn't, uh, you weren't able to look through all the old mini. I, I, I looked through them, like I passed by it like twice and I, I think I went through it twice, but I didn't get through, I didn't like get into the nitty gritty of going through it. I did notice some like old, um... Some like old nerglings, mm, like like there's like there's like three of them for so so many so much. There's also a, this Nurgle hero. I I thought it was a hero anyways, but I didn't recognize it from like the book at all. But I knew it was Nurgle. Really? Yeah, because it's a big nasty creature with boils and grossness and yep grossness holding something or another, holding something or another. Okay. So yeah, definitely the next time you go or if if we take you to another convention, you'll have to look through them. So, sometimes you can really find some treasures. I found a um a metal skull taker. That metal model that you see over there, it's like uh he's got like a a cloak of skulls. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it's for corn. I know Connor found um this like it's like little little orc dude for his custom monster. Yeah, I remember that. He was very happy. It was like a little orc shaman or little, was it an orc shaman or was it a goblin shaman or something? Um, I think it was an orc shaman just because it looked a little bit larger. <laughs> a little bit larger, but it was like from, you know, the 1996 version of GW. So it was the size of how go- what goblins are now. Yeah, and it was metal. And it had, it had the reason he liked it so much was because... Um, it matched his custom monster's mask. And so he could put the custom monster's mask on and then... The special character shaman. That's mm-hmm. what it was. I'm glad that you found some stuff at the uh, the old vendor hall that you liked. In the future, if you go back, what are you looking to pick up? I was thinking... You can't get it just from... Not like Games Workshop stuff. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? I mean like, like, you could buy that here. No problem. Yeah. Like, the wood burning stuff is always cool to, to look at. And I might get something like that because I always need uh, a dice rolling tray. And I was I told myself I was going to get one. And I didn't. Oh, yeah, because you got the creature caster thing. It was like $190. Oh, yeah, $185, $190. That was a lot of money. But it's worth it. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It does look very nice. It's going to be the centerpiece model of the new army. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, so more wood-burning stuff? You say a, like a dice rolling tray, something like that? Yeah. Are you jealous of mine and Mike's dice rolling tray? I'm definitely jealous of Mike's. I didn't know you got one. I yeah, I got one in twenty twenty eighteen. Um, that's the the Nurgle one. That oh I have. oh, I thought you were talking about this exact same thing. No, because Mike got one that was like a book, and that was oh, really cool. Yeah, he opens this book, this like book up, and it's a dice rolling tower. Yeah, with like a dice rolling tray in it. So my wife, my beautiful, awesome wife, uh, got me one of those for my birthday. Nice. And so, 
So that came in yesterday and she put it together. So I'll be using that for when I DM. Cause when I'm in DMing, I, I always am like throwing dice behind the, like at my DM screen. Mm. And it'd be so much easier to just chuck it into the little tower and have it come down. It's really nice. It's customized. It has my name on it. It's got a bunch of star finder. I'm sorry. Um, spell jammer stuff on it. And, uh, it looks really good. I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I know. It's Mike's looked cool too. His was another um spell jammer. Yeah, he his his definitely looked good. He was using it. I think um Rachel had one too, not not from that place, but from another place for mm-hmm. a little dice rolling. That was kinda neat. Poor Rachel. She couldn't she was rolling like fours and threes the whole time. I felt so oh, bad. No. She would she would be like, Yes, I'm really good at this and she'd be like, oh, crap, I rolled a four and got like a nine. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, I'm so sorry. Oh. It's hard to roll low, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Uh, they they had their first episode of Spelljammer, and it was really funny. It was very funny because I hadn't, hadn't done Session Zero for some of them uh, because just of scheduling, things like that. So I had to do Session Zero for them, like, right then and there. And I tried to do, like, a little bit of an abbreviated version of it for uh, – the first one took a little bit. And then he he was a, what do you call it? The the rabbit people. The rabbit people. Yeah, he was a rabbit, like a rabbit, um, like a rogue rabbit, something or other. And I was kind of talking to him about how his, he lived on this world that's all full of like flowing grasses and, and um, his people were these like ascetic sort of monk type people. And they had towers and, uh, and like temples that they kind of led a simple life munching grass and training and and one every you know every so often spell jammers come down and sometimes people are chosen to to go and and live that life if you're good enough if you train hard enough and his brother was chosen as a spell jammer to be a spell jammer and he like was going onto their ship but but slipped and broke his leg and he couldn't do it anymore uh, so, so they chose him instead and he went on the ship and he, I was explaining about how, you know, he was wined and dined and fed the best grasses and most excellent meals. And he would toast every night with the captain and have long conversations with her where she would sit there and listen to him, you know, talk about whatever it was that he was talking about his home world and his family and stuff and how that all the, all the other crew were like super nice to him and so midway through an attack from, they got attacked by uh Yankee pirates. They're kind of like jaundiced elves. And midway through the attack, one of the other characters who was sent on a, an assassination mission kills the captain, Captain Sardoza. And all of a sudden this character, um, the, the friendship spell that was on him ends. And all of a sudden he remembers these people, these these bell jammers coming down to his, his village, his little village of ascetic monk, like, you know, little rabbits dragging his brother away and his brother, like trying to get away and, and, uh, his, his brother's legs snapping in her grip. And so she's like, Oh, he's kind of useless. So she pointed at, at him instead and drags him onto the ship. And then, um, like she, after she drags him onto the ship, he's affected by the spell and he thinks that she's like complimenting him and toasting him and doing all this and that. And she's actually like 
insulting him and she feeds him his brother and oh. it's really it's so bad and it's so like that when the spell ends though it says in the description that not only do you remember everything that happened you know that you've been bamboozled spell like and but you also are it says that you're supposed to be hostile mm. and i'm like well like i can't tell a player that they're hostile but i can sure as hell give them reason to be hostile right oh, yeah and so i talked about how when she when she like lifted off he was waving goodbye to his family and and she shot the ship's cannons into the into his little village and destroyed all his oh, little no. all the little temples there that's so terrible yep let's just say he didn't have any love for her after and and when i went through the it's funny what's funny is that half the players there knew what i was talking about when i was talking about the like niceties of the of the captain toasting them and him having five course meals which is really normally just slop uh slop and dirty water the other the other characters are sitting there with like a smirk on their face and the ones that hadn't had a session zero were like looking up at me like, oh yeah, yeah, this fantastic voyage, is this what you're going to, is this how it's going to be? And I just, man, when I dropped the hammer on them, oh, it was funny to see their faces just drop. They were like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, so that was, that was really fun. Uh, we had a good first session. And uh, they they did deal with the pirates in a particularly messy fashion, and they found out that killing the um, uh, killing the the captain and letting everybody loose from the spell they had only been on there that ship for a little while, so they were kind of not so affected by it. But a lot of the crew just went insane and started either spacing themselves or messily offing themselves. One one orc like smashed his head into the the side of the ship. Until he was just, his brain was pulped. Ooh. Yeah, so. Um, Is that why they were complaining at you? Yeah, I told him I wouldn't do that anymore. Um, but the, they, uh, they, they, were going, they were crazy. Essentially, they were just insane. So mm-hmm. at the end of it, at the end of that fight with the Githyanki, which they killed all the Githyanki horribly. Like, those guns just murdered Githyanki. After they were done, they look around and they're the only ones alive. In the middle of wild space with no star chart, no nothing. Like they, the only thing that was, excuse me, the only thing that was still like alive, so to speak, was this autonome who had been enslaved for dozens of years, just decades of they, what they did was they made him, um, they had this like little walkway that was kind of like a little grater. And whenever they got like a body, of whatever they killed, they would throw it on the grater and he would have to stomp it into the grater and fall down into this big slop bucket that they would cook up Mm -hmm. for like, and that's what they fed everybody. Yeah. That's so terrible. Yeah. So this little auto gnome just filled with, with just gristle and gore and just blood from decades of caked blood all over. He, he's just like, so one of the guys, um, who's playing a, another metal character. His name is Spammer. He goes over to the, to the gnome and he's like, you okay, buddy? And the auto gnome goes, eh, it's a living. <laughs> the oh character looked God. at me and he goes, really? Flintstones, Matt? Really? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you want from me? But no, they, they really took to that little guy, the little auto gnome guy. He was like, eh, I think that if this is what you want, 
and this is what makes me happy. They they gave him a break, his first five minute break for like in in twenty years or something. Oh my god! And he he was like, oh my god, I love you so much. <laughs> it was so great. Uh, they for whatever reason they just they really uh, love this little guy. They had him. They got him all cleaned up. He he doesn't have. Uh, first, when they cleaned all the blood and stuff off of him, he had a bunch of rust on him because that he didn't, you know, he was made of metal. And so they cleaned all the rust off of him. They shined him up. And then one of the characters, because they were missing a star map, they didn't have a star map, but one of the characters was like, oh, uh, let's search him because they had searched the whole ship and they didn't find it. And they found that he had two um, catches, essentially like internal catches. One of them was on his arm. So you like twist and a little, um, his arm pops off sideways, like whoop, like that. Interesting. And then the other one was on his head. And so they, for whatever reason, did not want to like open these up. So they were trying to get an unseen servant to do it. They didn't want to see the brain. Yeah. Because they were, they were like, they were like, whose brain is that? And he was like, I don't know. (laughs) He did not know. (laughs) Oh. Uh, Yeah, so. That was fun. And then they, um, so they eventually, they, they, oh, they found the star chart inside of his arm capsule, like his little arm holder space. Right, yeah. yeah. So, uh, that, then they could have gone to any of four places, but they decided to go to the Spelljammer Academy uh, and they go there and, um, the instructors there as they get off or, you know, they're like, where's, where's Captain Sardoza? And the guy's like, oh, she's dead. And he's the new captain points to one of the other characters or she's the new captain i think it was renee that they decided to be the captain the gif uh the hippo person yeah and so uh they they go in there and the the instructors are kind of being super mean to them they're like telling them they're stupid and they're they're just insulting them straight to their face and characters for some reason were being pretty cool about it i was i was kind of happy about that i was like man they're, they're really figuring this out they're getting they're doing well uh so they get to their bunks and and one of them takes a bunk near a window where a moon elf woman comes over like a young woman maybe 16 or 17 uh much older in moon elf years but in you know, how she's developed. She's imagine her like a 16 or 17 year old girl. Yeah. And she's like, that's like my space. So, um, why don't you just go back to the bunk master and tell him you're going to, you know, switch with me. And she points to a, a bed that she was using, which is like dirty and rumpled and has like stains on it. And, uh, Renee says, Renee's playing the gif and she's like, hell no, I get the hell out of here. You stinking. She's like, Oh my God. She, she's actually, um, I'm sorry. She says, do you know who my uncle is? Because her uncle owns the, this place. Yeah. He owns all of Xeno extermination limited. And in fact, all of the trade on the rock of brawl. Mm-hmm. And so one of the other characters insults her. And I mean, pretty fiercely, it was the spammer. Connor insults her and, and I mean, comes back with some really mean insults and casts, Okay, so he casts vicious mockery on her. Oh. And she runs away crying. And she says, you were supposed to be nice to me. <laughs> she she runs away crying. And that's when they realize, because the other people start coming up to them, like the other cadets, and they're all super smiley, super happy, and kind of um, really uh, just 
out of it. They don't act right and they don't sound right. And they're like, oh my God, these other people are under this friendship spell that we were under. And they all thought that we were supposed to be under it. And that's when Connor realized that he done messed up really bad by oh, doing God. that. And, and, and he was like, oh, he said, she said that we were supposed to be nice to her. Then they, they chase after her with the intention of like, I don't know, beating her unconscious or something like that. Earlier they had stolen a gold key card. So they go up to the, the, where she had fled off into, which is the upper echelons of uh, Starfinder. I'm sorry, the Spelljammer Academy. And they find her in this like library with a, this library with a, with a huge enormous telescope with a, uh, a guy who kind of has like a, a big guy with in a tweed suit with dark sunglasses. And he's like facing away from them with his arms crossed. And he's got two huge gift bodyguards, both in, in also pinstripe suits with, with also dark sunglasses. And they've got like assault rifles at the, at their hips and stuff like that. So Yeah. And assault right. One had an assault rifle and a shotgun. The other one had uh, an assault rifle and two handguns. So he, um, they come to find out after a little while. Oh, and the girl is sitting there crying in the corner. And there's a the librarian is also there. So the librarian talks to them for a little bit, and the guy just is silent and and with his back turned. And uh, at one point, they start talking about Captain Sardoza and what's happening and how how it's not right to use that, that friendship spell that way. It really, you know, it, it revokes people's, it's an evil thing, right? They're doing an evil act. Yeah. The guy turns around and the first thing he says was, why do you think I hired you to kill her? The, the character who was hired to kill her. And he was like, yeah, this is not, I, I know what was happening on that ship and that's why I put a stop to it. And, and then he goes into a little bit about how he needs somebody to do some investigation for him. But first they need to kind of make a name for themselves here because Spelljammers can go in the Rock of Brawl in places that no other people can because they have to respond to threats. Normally like threats of monsters attacking, things like that. Yeah. Monsters from the, the uh, wild space. He starts talking about how he wants them to gather information about who the current king truly is. Because he thinks that he believes that the current king is actually his brother and his brother wasn't killed. And he thinks that his brother was, uh, is beginning to turn cold. Mm. And the reason why he gives as an explanation is that like his brother never would have signed off on, on things like what they're doing to the spell jammers over here, you know, casting that friendship spell on them, forcing them to become essentially like mercenary slaves to them. I mean, they do provide for them. But they, under the guise of Xeno Extermination Limited, that's what they do. They go out and yeah. exterminate Xenoforms, Xenomorphs. Um, so, and and he kind of says that this is, it's all to be the better, uh, you know, for the greater good, but how, you know, how many wrongs do you have to commit before it's not, no longer for the greater good, before you're like cold inside? Yeah. So he gifts them the ship gifts them the ship he he um he says you can keep the ship that there's a set of coordinates on the ship to give them a little more a little more insight into what he's talking about and then he says that 
they need to make a name for themselves. They need to go on a couple missions. They need to, you know, hunt down some pirates, do this, that, and the other thing. And then he's going to orchestrate an attack on the capital uh, that they are going to respond to. Oh, okay. Like, like a, a monster attack, mm-hmm. you know, like he's going to lure some monsters there. And then they're going to be assigned to take care of the threat, protect the inevitable innocence that may be in there, and then find evidence that his brother is actually the king and not his uh, son, who's supposed to be the king. Or I'm sorry, the, the brother's son, who's supposed to be the king right now. His name is Prince or King Andrew. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're like, okay. So they have a couple of different places they can go to next. Um, they could obviously go to the mystery coordinates if they wanted to. They can go to the Radiant Citadel, which he, <laughs> it's funny, he kind of describes as like a hellish place. And Interesting. It, it, they're kind of like a cult. Ah, uh, okay. Like a, one of those real weird cults, like like with a compound, things like that. Mm. Yeah, Culty things. There. So that's it. I guess... We're going to go ahead and sign off, and I'm going to say this is going to be the end of the podcast. I'll try to have Justin on to the next one because uh, he was sick. I, what can we do? We don't want him sniffling into the microphone. And so I had, I figured I'd grab Evelyn and we'd, you know, talk about Nova and then do a little bit of a uh, spell jammer recap. What do you think the next podcast should be on? There's a couple new things that are coming out. There's obviously that Zinch book. Yeah, but the Zinch book won't come. I don't think the Zinch book will come out before the next podcast. So we kind of have to wait until that actually comes out before yeah. we do Zinch. Actually, you know what I'm getting in tomorrow? I'm getting the Daughters of Cain book in because I decided we, we bought these little mystery packets uh, that gave you a little um, a pin based on like a faction pin. And I was like, oh, I should do whatever I get. That's what my next army should be. And I got a Marathi Kane pin. So I was like, well, maybe I'll do some murder elves. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I remember those. I think my my one that I got, even though I had already kind of bought like the hundred and eighty five dollar model, I still I still opened mine and I got I got the gold Sigmar hammer. Ooh, so hammers of Sigmar, eh? Mm. I don't know if I'll actually get into them, but I'll I'll think about it. Okay, okay. Well, there's a couple of different Sigmar. Like, there are a couple different factions for Sigmar. It's not like you have to do one yeah. specific thing. So, yeah, I um, you could do Cult of Sigmar. You could do, uh, you know, the Stormcast Eternals. You mm. could do, there's all kinds. Of, and even in the Stormcast Eternals, there's a lot of different factions that you could do from them. Yeah, I have They're noticed kind of it's, a, it's a large, it's a rather large. Like. Really huge um, model line. Mm. Hey, follow your follow your dreams. Do Zinch. I've already done most of these, so it's not like, I mean, I've I've not done Witch Elves, and so now I'm going to do them. Witch Elves. I'm going to, they're the OG girl bosses. The OG girl bosses. So maybe the next uh, podcast will be about um, Marathi Kane and the Sisters of Slaughter, the, the devotees of Kane. Oh, yeah, that, that would definitely make sense. Cool. So maybe I'll have Evelyn on because, you know, she likes girl bosses, don't you? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, signing off. Have a great one. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Seriously Narrative, a Warhammer podcast.
If you'd like to get in touch with us for questions, please email us at seriouslynarrativepodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page at facebook.com backslash seriouslynarrativepodcast. This episode of Seriously Narrative, a Warhammer podcast, is protected by the Creative Commons license. If you have any questions about the Creative Commons license, please visit their website at creativecommons.org. Music is provided by Incompetech, created by Kevin McLeod, and used under the Creative Commons license. Thank you for listening.